Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I am doing the last show of the season. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us this year, the September through May season of our podcasting, original new podcasts every month. They're all available on our archives, and we have... Literally, one show yet to come, and it's the marriage reveal, and I don't want you to miss it. If you say to me, I don't know if I can listen to Summer Challenge and the marriage reveal, well, then disconnect, give up Summer Challenge, and come and be with us for the marriage reveal. Today, though, I want to give you um, my most... um, What's the word I would like to say, Lord? I guess I want to give you my best regards for the summer. I want to give you my best challenge. I want to give you something from my heart that I'm challenging myself with. And that is to enrich the soil of your soul. To enrich the soil of your soul. So I've been reading the book of Mark recently. I'm not much of a Mark. um, I don't know a lot about Mark. I've read it, of course. I've read through it numbers of times because I've read through the entire Bible numbers of times. But I got to Mark 4, verses 1 through 9, and I just paused, and I paused for a long time, and I thought, this is it. This is the perfect way to end the season and to get ready for next season, which we will begin by talking about listening. In the fall, we're going to do some lessons on listening. We're going to do some lessons on mentoring. And we hope that you will join us in the same place on the same time. During the summer, look to our website for rebroadcasts for unusual circumstances. Maybe it's a few of the top 10 that we loved from this fall. I don't know exactly what the summer will look like, but there'll be things posted for you. But today, this is the summer challenge. Enrich the soil of your soul. If you know that you are the beloved, you can live with an enormous amount of success and an enormous amount of failure without losing your identity. Because your identity is that you are the beloved. The question becomes, can I live a life of faith in a world and trust that it will bear fruit? I think because we are the beloved, we can live a life of faith in this world and trust that God will use it to bear fruit. Remember, it's not your fruit. I often hear people who have been in the church for a long time. Sometimes my husband says, been in the way for a long time. And we laugh about that because he doesn't mean the way of Jesus. He means they've been in the way, like you wish you'd get out of the way, right? But I think that those of us who have been engaged in church for a long time, we forget when we talk about fruit, like I want my fruit to be rich and I want to be low-hanging fruit and 
high fruitful fruit. I want you to remember that this is God's fruit. This is God's fruit. And that we live a life of faith that we will bear fruit that will bring glory to him. So how do we do that? Well, this is a parable out of the book of Mark. And parables were spoken by Jesus to intentionally make people who didn't follow Christ not understand. And I often say to groups when I'm talking about parables, was there ever a parable that you read and read and read, you just didn't get and get and get? And I have one. I have one of my own. I cannot tell you how many times I read the parable about the man who got paid and he, one man who started early in the morning and worked all day, and he got paid. And another man who started at 5 in the afternoon and got paid at 7 o'clock at night, and he got the same payment. Oh, I was so affronted at that. I was so annoyed with that. It was so unfair. I can't tell you how many years after I had accepted and surrendered to Christ that I didn't get it. And then one day I got it. I can still feel the tears roll down my face. God gets to do what God wants to do because God is God. Let it go. Let it go. Let God work in someone's life beautifully, magnificently, differently. But God is God. So these parables that Christ used, he used them in some ways to make sure we understood. So the parable I'm talking about today is the parable of the sower. And if you're a farmer... If you live on a farm, if you have any additions to this, would you send me an email and let me know what they are? Because I'm not a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I'm barely a gardener. And here are the nine verses. And he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen. Hmm. I highlighted that in my Bible because I thought, that's what we're going to talk about in the fall. And here we're ending our summer challenge with God giving the parable that he starts with listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly. It had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. But other seed fell into the good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 and 60 and a hundredfold. And he said, Jesus, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Oh, I can still feel the sensation that God poured through me as I read this a few, mm, six weeks ago. Other seeds fell in the good soil. I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I want to be good soil. How do I get my soil to be good or gooder or better or betterer? Brought forth grain. It brought forth grain, fruit. It brought forth grain and fruit 
to bring glory to you, growing up and increasing and yielding. And then he gives these numbers, 30, 60, and 100 fold. I know you can hear me talking. I'm one of those overachievers. Can I figure out how I can get to be 100 fold and not just 30 or 60, Lord? Well, I told you I'm not a farmer, but when I read this, between the passage started with listen and he ends, let anyone with ears to hear listen. My choice. My choice. This is your choice. As I lay this gauntlet down for a summer challenge, and I'm encouraging you to find a way to enrich the soil of your soul. One of my husband's favorite most terrible stories he tells about me is my first garden. I never really had a garden. I lived in Chicago. We had a patch of land. Oh, my goodness, gardening. That wasn't even... And I think when we drove through the states of Iowa and Nebraska, I just saw all that stuff and didn't understand a minute about what it took. Gardens take tending, don't they? So I put out carrots and radishes in this little garden that my husband thought was a good idea. I did, too. But I would go out there and watch it. I was going out there and watching it and waiting for it. And one Saturday, I took David out to the garden. I said, look. And there were these little green shoots, maybe one and a half inches long. And he said to me, do you know which one's the carrot and which one's the radish? And I said, no, I'm not sure. And I pulled up one. It was the carrot. And then I took the carrot. I never thought about it. I just took the carrot and put it back in the ground. And my husband started to laugh. He said, honey, you know you can't do that. And I said, what do you mean I can't do that? What? And I, it was so clear to me. Now, of course, it makes me laugh and giggle. I want you to know I do have a lovely garden growing right now with tomatoes and radishes and carrots and peppers, lots of things in my garden. But in those days, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it that it takes tending. We live in Arizona. This is it. The next few weeks, my garden will be finished because I'm unwilling to tend what it takes, covering and tenting and spraying and watching. The heat gets to be 110 degrees. Tomatoes don't like that temperature. So I don't tend it in the summer. I don't tend it. But what God is saying here, there are different kinds of soil, not seed, not seed. So what do you do to enrich your own life? Rest, eat, Read, relax, learn, bring beauty. Do you see any of it as intentional enriching or maybe unintentional repetition? Do you go to the same groups and you're not getting anything out of it? A mom's group, a small group, your own church, a couple's group? Okay, that was good for then, but it isn't good for now. Well, the parable starts by saying, listen, and ends by saying, listen. Let anyone with ears to hear. He's not saying, do you have ears on either side of your head? He is asking you, do you have ears to listen? Are you really listening? And listening is the key to understanding. In the Eugene Peterson translation of the message, he says these editorial remarks about this passage, that Jesus was never without a story when he spoke. He was never without a story when he spoke. And when he got with his disciples, Eugene Peterson uses these words, he spent time sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. I read that and I thought, oh, that's it. That's how I feel. 
when I'm alone with the people I'm closest with, who I see regularly, who, whose lives I pray for and am invested in, I sort out the tangles with them, and I untie the knots with them, they with me and me with them. I belong to a group now of women my age. We've been together for about 38 years. We do a lot of sorting out of the tangles and untying of the knots. And Jesus was never without a story. So I've been listening differently because I'm preparing for this listening series that we're going to teach. But I want to go through this parable with you. These various places that the seed landed, they're not just metaphorical, conversational. They really help us understand. So the first was where the road, the roads where the birds ate it. And the roads in Palestine, when this parable was spoken of, they were literally like fences around each garden, each farm. You know, we go, we drive through the farms and there are fences and, and electric fences even. But in these days, there were roads and they walked on those roads and those roads got compacted. And when the seed for those roads, when it hit the ground, they, there was, it, it couldn't go anywhere. And the birds came and ate it. Do you have places like that where the, there's no possibility that growth can get in? You're sort of faking your faith. The birds get in it. They're, they're, these plots are so hard. Maybe it's places that you've created with too much TV or magazines or books in my case or trivial conversation or gossip or things that we let harden our hearts or our heads or our thinking patterns and the word of God cannot penetrate. This place where the road seed fell could not be considered enriched soil. And then there was the gravel seed, the gravel seed. And, and this is a gravel, kind of an interesting word in our culture. But he's talking about, the again, the rocks in this part of the world. There has been said for hundreds of years that if every visitor to the Holy Land took home a rock, there still would be billions of rocks. And the farmers literally literally, um, had to go through the soil and pick out the rocks. I told the story of a friend of mine whose father paid her to pick out the nails in the soil before he planted. And that picture just came to my mind as I read this. This is more like false starts in our day. We, we actually see the seed goes in and then it grows. It says it grows, but when the sun comes out, the soil isn't strong enough to make it grow and be strong and survive. The sun scorches it, and the rock takes away the enrichment from the soil. I, I counted those like false starts. They have no depth. It's my old saying, I have a big heart and small feet. <gasps> That's a great idea. I'm raising my hand. I'm going to be there. And I come for three weeks, and then I don't come anymore because I didn't give it careful consideration. I just started. No depth. Consequently, any pressure will take me away from it. So this seed takes hold, and it sprouts in available dirt. But the rock takes up the space. When I was thinking, for me, I think the comparison, the paraphrase might be the undisciplined mind, where ideas have been stuck 
and we can't get out of them. I might even use the word a legalistic mind, where somebody told you this and you believe it till the end of the end of the end, when you haven't made time to discover if it's God's truth or not. And then there was the weed seed. I kind of like that, especially since weed is kind of a laughing word used among Americans who are now able to buy weed without um, it being a criminal offense. But I think the weed seed is a little part about joining the herd, going along with the group. Did you ever have a kid who came home and did something because everybody else was doing it? Did you ever do something because everybody else is doing it? I have on my phone, and I didn't ask for it to be on my phone. It was on my phone when I downloaded it. Every week it tells me how many hours I'm on my phone. And sometimes it says, you have lost ground this week. It says, you were less than 23% over last week. So now my goal with that little communication of information is every week I want that machine to say, you were on this less than last week. Do you ever join the group? How about those uh, emails, those texts that run through each other and there are 93 people in the group and you can't keep up with them? One night my husband and I were traveling and we were in a hotel room and the phone kept bink, 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 bink. So this is a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And he said, what is that? And I said to him, calling the group by name, I said, they have dropped something down and everybody is responding. And when I got up the next morning, I counted. There were 43 bings. No, I was not going to look at them. It took me about less than 60 seconds to look at them altogether. So the weed gets stronger. You've joined the group and the weed gets stronger. The group gets stronger than you and you don't gain anything out of it. This is having too much going on maybe for you, or too much going on for the wrong reason, and literally the weeds overcome the new seeds. The weeds are tough. Did you ever try to pull weeds? They're tough. They're not tender like the new seedlings are. This is a non-discriminating mind again. You may listen to too many words. You're not putting the right ingredients in to enrich your soil. Uh, there's an old computer uh, acrostic that's GEICO, G-I-G-O, garbage in and garbage out. And I say to you, that's what this seed happens. It falls among the thorns, and the thorns grow up, and they choke it out, and it yields no grain. So these first three seeds yield no grain. Do you fall into any of these three? If you do, may I encourage you to consider why? May I encourage you to take time to pause and say, I want to get out of that process. I want to have soil that's enriched, and I'm going to offer to you some ways to enrich your soil. Rich soil growth is always dependent on the soil. Did you hear me? Growth is always dependent on the soil. My husband really is a gardener. He has a green thumb. The last house we lived in, which we lived in for 40 plus years, we bought it. It was one plus acre of land that was not a thing on it but the house. Desert. Dry, hot, desert. 
We sold that house. It was a beautiful oasis of many kinds of trees and gardens and fruit trees and citrus trees. Beautiful piece of property that my husband cultivated. Now, I always kid that his father, his grandfather, who was the owner of a nursery, that he must have gotten his grandfather's truly green thumb. But sometimes I say to him, honey, I need a bag of... My husband's a gardener, but he can also be very careful with a nickel. And he'll say, do I need that? Do I really need that? And I say, my soil is dependent on enrichment. So this season, he's going to hear that a lot. As I make my own commitment to you as what I'm going to do to enrich my soil. You're going to find on our website a resource that just simply asks some simple questions. I hope you'll answer them. I hope you'll answer them and send me an email. I'm going to pray for everyone who sends me an email this summer saying, this is what I'd like to do in the next 90 days to enrich my own soil. Soil that is characterized by the absence of previous fault. Soil that allows us to clear our hearts, to listen to more music, to hear more sermons, to practice meditating on the word of God, to listen with an intent to hear his word and hungry for his words. Keeping our soil enriched will allow us to have the essentials of a fruitful garden. Enriching your soil is an ongoing state of being. Your mind should not be closed. Your heart should be wide open. You should have a big heart and big feet. And you're saying to me, but what are some suggestions? Well, there are two things I'm going to suggest to you. One is a lovely book. You know how I love books. Written by a dear friend of mine, a dear and precious friend of mine. I know this woman. I know her heart. I know her well. And she has written this book called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And I think she not only knew these disciplines well, studied and wrote about them beautifully. But she also understood that we needed a simple tool. And every one of these disciplines can be summarized in her book with three pages only. Maybe you need more worship. Maybe you need more compassion. Maybe you need more service. Maybe you need to examine yourself as Christ calls us to before we take the communion supper. Maybe you need to start journaling. Aaron, if you're listening, I'm talking to you. Maybe you need more self-care or simplicity or silence or solitude. Or maybe you need a spiritual director. This book will give you 50 or 60 possible ways to 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 create within you a way to enrich your soil. Maybe you just need to be faithful to the things you're currently doing, like reading the Word of God, like meditatively reading a small passage and sitting with it and asking God, what does it mean to you? Or prayer. We often say we're going to pray more. I think it's singularly, when I ask a woman what does she want more of her life, she will say prayer. Maybe it's spiritual reading. Maybe you're going to give up the casual novel for the summer and read something with more depth and spiritual attention to it. 
Maybe it's church attendance. I recognize we've all been at home watching television, watching the screen, getting church. It's very convenient. Maybe you're doing it more often than going to church. But there is something about gathering together called community and congregation that changes us. We watch someone else worshiping. We pray with someone. We sit in an audience next to someone. Maybe in someone who's sitting next to you with a tear in her eye after what she's heard or he's heard. Well, this is a parable. It's designed to help us think about our own lives. And it's about the soil, not about the seed. This parable is not about the seed. If you've been reading and thinking, what kind of seed am I? No, we're talking about the soil of which the seed will fall. The seed falls. It can be enriched. The seed, I should say, can grow if the soil is enriched and regularly enriched. So my summer challenge to all of you modern homemaker listeners, thank you again for spending this season with us. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your emails. I'm grateful for your conversations. I'm grateful for your financial giving. I'm grateful to call you friend. And I pray that the summer challenge of enriching your own soil will lead you to making some change before we meet together again in September. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a great summer enriching your soil.